This week's podcast brought to you by Badenage. Last night when I was in studio with Coach Landers, at one point, we like to give our, our studio host, John Brickley, a hard time. And at one point, Brick was saying something. And Coach Landers just looked at him and said, you're like a cow staring at a new gate. And I just, I just love terms that people who live on farms probably have said plenty of times when it's my first time hearing it. You're like a cow staring at a new gate. Saying says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day just to keep it sane Who's the ball and who's the chain It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane Well, Denny's up with us in person this week. Last week you did the brought to you by, you did the cold open, because Steve and I being under the weather just completely forgot and you saved us. So welcome once again to uh, to the basement. Yeah, I kind of feel like I hijacked the show. My apologies, wasn't the intention, but I'm glad people got to know that it was sponsored by them. I, I thought that was a nice... Heartfelt late holiday message. And people don't know that we record those uh, after we've recorded the podcast. We tack on at the end a brought to you by and a what we call a cold open, and as an afterthought. And we didn't that's think the, of it this and that's time. The first time we had just completely not thought of it, and so Denny uh, Denny saved us there. Because of course we don't know what the show is brought to you by until we've done the show, and right. that's the only first indication we know of what we're going to talk about that day. Right. Last week, we talked about making Steve aware that he can interrupt me a lot. Now, you as the producer who listens to all of the podcasts when they come in, is that something you had noticed prior to me bringing it up on the last podcast? Honestly, I feel like you you guys are equal interrupters. Thank you. You think I interrupt Steve as much as he interrupts me? Thank you. That is such a man's ears. No, 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 no. no. A man's ear? (laughs) <laughs> yes, because every time ears. I edit the podcast, I'm wearing a man's ear. No, but no, I mean, like, it's just healthy conversation. I mean, everybody interrupts everybody all the time. That's of course that's not healthy conversation. Wait, so, the, the so great... I'm supposed to say a whole thought, and then you're supposed to say a whole thought. No, an occasional, like right here, like right. I'm interjecting, but... But I wait for you wait for the pause. It's the when somebody just starts talking, and as you continue to talk, and so they just talk louder. Like oh, that's like the old, part that talking, can, over. talking over someone is. I, can I be don't a do that. I I like the Sorkin-esque give and take of a good uh, a back and forth, the batonage, the the repartee. And I'm thinking of other French words that uh, would apply here. Please say batonage at least one more time. <laughs> batonage. May I paint a picture for our listeners who aren't uh, privy to the being in basement Are you going to use oils or watercolor? I'm going to use my entire palette I'm okay. going to use here. Denny is in basement, as we've said, and he has brought with him for the first time a big electronic board, and he's sitting across from me now like Sir George Martin mixing Sergeant Pepper at this mixing board. And, and are we going to sound amazing or are we going to sound like we usually sound can he disguise my voice with his uh this program that he's using so that i sound 
like I'm James Earl Jones or something. I don't I know what's he, what's happening. There? I think he's happy that you're not wearing your big puffy coat from last week because when I listened to a little last week's podcast, you could totally hear right, Denny. Whenever Steve moved, you heard the ruffle of a big heavy, I heavy coat. To give the, uh, I wanted people to have insight into what we're going through in the basement. It's cold. I'm in a puffy coat, and I'm sick. I love that Denny. This that was his birthday present. Like he's been saving up for this motherboard of motherboards and then my mother got the board there you go there you go and uh i just love that you're at the point in your life that this board i'll take a picture of it and i'll post it on instagram that this board with buttons and and knobs made me so happy like you have no idea it's like i go to work i'm at sears i'm 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 in front of a soundboard all day and then oh then what's the one thing i I want for my birthday more soundboards but uh you were talking before about how how will this make us sound? The setting that we're on right now on this board, setting eight, it is cathedral. So is this like, we'll remember the, is it like our sleep number bed? I don't have a sleep number bed, but it, so we have to just remember eight. So it sounds like we're in a cathedral. Oh, so we'll sound yeah. like we're giving our, our homily. Sunday homily. It'll sound like our funeral. Or, you have to go before me. We're not We're not going together. We're not having a joint funeral. We each... At least I deserve my own funeral. Even if we do go together, can I have a separate funeral? I, I just thought if I predeceased you, you would you would uh, just you would wait. be unable to to go on and throw yourself into the hole with me. <laughs> or no? like we do each and every week here, we're taking our listeners to church. There we go. That's what we're doing. Hosier, take me to church. What's up? Our son yesterday, our ten year old, I, I don't remember which XM channel I was listening to. Oh, yes, I do. It was the Coffee House. And and I forget it was um an Imagine Dragon song and our ten year old son who loves that song just said, Some songs shouldn't be played in acoustically. And he said, whatever the Imagine Dragon song was, he said, This one and take me to church. They shouldn't be acoustic songs. And the he's song 10, you're referring I, to I is like Radioactive that. by yes. Imagine Dragons because those are those are his when we play hallway basketball, we've got a basketball hoop mounted to the inside of our front door. It's the only like a place, Nerf basketball There's, a, there's hoop. the only place where the ceiling is high enough that you can launch three-pointers and stuff. That uh, his, his entrance music, his, when he comes running down the hallway to throw one down on the collapsible rim, is either take me to church. He likes the part where Hosier says something meaty for the main course. And he'll yell something meaty for the main course as he's trying to dunk on me. And in the Imagine Dragons song, Radioactive, he always misheard that as there's there's a um, a line, welcome to the new age, to the new age. He always misheard that as welcome to the movies. So he would run down the hall yelling, welcome to the movies, and he would dunk on me. And now that he knows it's welcome to the new age, I forbid him to say the real words. And for us, it will always be welcome to the movies, to the movies. Can we get back to this no song or some songs shouldn't be made acoustic. I completely disagree. We all hear collectively like Dancing in the Dark, right? It's a great, song, and it's a great acoustic version. Did, and the version from Springsteen on Broadway was unbelievable. Well, she's not saying that all songs shouldn't. She's okay. saying some songs shouldn't. Some songs perhaps should be, but most songs shouldn't, I, I have to say. You know what oddly works acoustically? There are a lot of hip-hop songs that work really good acoustically. Uh, Mike Posner, for instance, had a nice hip-hop kind of pop EDM kind of thing going on and he started playing his songs acoustically and they sound tremendous so I don't know I've, well a well-written song should sound I would imagine good in... that any Imagine Dragon song sounds great acoustically because 
the strums are way less complicated because you're just doing like the drum beat. Well, I think for our son, that yeah. song in particular is his basketball anthem. I got you. So he doesn't want it to be acoustically it, done acoustically. And you bring up um, Springsteen on Broadway. Steve, you and I finally watched that on Netflix a couple weeks ago. It is phenomenal. I would imagine even if you're not a Springsteen fan, you would really, really enjoy watching that. The only thing that was frustrating about it was the audio. Sometimes when he would step away from the microphone, you could you had to kind of strain to hear what he was saying, and you want to you, do you want to somebody, hang on every word. As you do when somebody steps twenty feet away from a microphone, right. a guy who has been in front of a microphone three hundred nights a year for forty years ought to know that when you turn your back and walk fifteen feet away, nobody can hear what you're saying. Right. Well, it was it was phenomenal. You brought up dancing in the dark when I took our oldest daughter to a Niall Horan concert. Back in the fall, he sang an acoustic version of Dancing in the Dark that is terrific. Hmm. And I'm, I'm pretty particular because I'm such a big Bruce Springsteen fan about covers of his songs. Niall Horan's Dancing in the Dark, if you can find it, it is terrific. You'd enjoy it. Speaking of Niall Horan, I had a... So a few weeks ago on the internet, that whole twinning by BuzzFeed was a big thing. And I got a 60% match with Niall Horan. Which blew my mind because I also got a 20% match with Conan O'Brien, which whenever I go into the barber shop, and because I like I've got this cow, like it goes right to left, and like my hair, I tell him, keep it long, but I don't want to look like Conan O'Brien. So I thought that it was very much how I am on Instagram versus how I am in real life. I just like that you say twinning on BuzzFeed was a big thing, as if I know what he's talking about. Oh, you do know yeah, what he's talking about. Yeah, people were posting pictures of who their celebrity doppelganger is, and and it gives you a percentage. Uh, it gives you a, both your celebrity doppelganger. You post a photo, and it gives you the percentage that you resemble uh, him or her. So, so then did he got you do an eighty Nile Horn, One Direction heartthrob, and twenty percent Conan O'Brien. Who apparently is our our competition now yeah, for podcast music? Yeah. Did you actually do no, this? No, of course not. Are you kidding? No. Did I post a photo of myself on? Oh, you have to post it somewhere. It's not I something that so. you can just Only do. How would they? You know could just who have it. I wanted to post it because I thought it was funny. But who would Steve's doppelganger be? My my celebrity. Doppelganger? It would be the guy people have brought up before. He was on. Not um, anymore. They wouldn't bring he, that he, up. He that was, was that was twenty years ago. No, but if somebody has watched Top we don't, Gun we don't know, or we don't, has watched ER, we don't know do you know the actor that I'm talking about? Anthony, Anthony Edwards. Edwards. We don't know that he okay. has aged as gracefully as I have. That's true. Almost certainly hasn't. I mean, what would the odds be? I will say this. When we watched Springsteen on Broadway, it proved Rebecca's famous assertion that if Bruce Springsteen were performing live in her living room, she would say, thanks, Bruce, but it's 9 o'clock. I've got to go to bed. This is so blown as out a of result, As a result... We watched it over two or possibly no, three nights. No, we watched over two nights. Two we nights, and f- when Rebecca got tired, we would turn off Bruce and go to bed. And then the next night, we had to break this three-hour performance up into, it into was, two It was equal segments. parts me being tired and equal parts, I don't want to watch this whole thing and not have more of it to look forward to. I, I, I enjoyed it so much that I was glad that we could... The best part of Take it... Take it in over two nights. If I may spoil it for those who haven't seen it, because that's what I do, um, is Bruce talking about how he didn't live any of his songs. He didn't drive a car until he was forced to while driving cross-country at 21, I think. He uh, never set foot on a factory floor and all these other things that he sings about. He didn't actually experience, and as he put it, that's how good I am. Yes. So my mom made an interesting point while watching this because my mom was born and raised Jersey Shore Neptune, and he paints the picture of Freehold as this as this working class town. 
it, it's like the county seat. It's a pretty affluent town, okay? And then you have towns like Asbury Park that he uh, clearly wanted to build some sort of image around him and the reputation of Neptune and that whole surrounding city. And my mom was kind of, ha- having grown up there, was kind of not thrilled with the part where he's like, I created That's the what, whole Jersey yeah. vibe, which... No, he, he said, said there wasn't a Jersey there wasn't Shore. Jer- there was no Jersey Shore. There was no, hey, Jersey. He said, I, I invented that. Which is a lot of garbage. Of because course it is. Count Basie was in Red Bank all the time, who was arguably at his peak, uh, as big a star as Springsteen ever was. I'd say that's fair, right? I yeah, would say there's I an even bigger you, star than Springsteen, but you and his name is Frank Sinatra. Right, he's got those blue eyes, right? But it wasn't called the Jersey Shore scene, right? I, I think it's what always Bruce, been I think the Jersey Bruce's Shore. Bruce's point was like how people perceive a Jersey Shore scene might not have come to be that until he was in his heyday. If anything, going to the Jersey Shore was a higher end vacation. It was like going to the Hamptons in like the 50s and 60s. So I don't know what this whole Jersey Shore thing he's trying to pontificate that he created is, but it's way off base. Well, perhaps we can get this this argument settled in the future episodes by getting, say, Snooky on the phone because (laughs) Denny brings with him technology. We won't be able to employ it today, but he does come bearing technology that will allow us to have guests on over the phone because we're finding attracting um, attractive podcast guests to our basement in the middle of nowhere is logistically uh, uh, problematic. Well, we've set a standard, though. Like, we've got Danny, of course, but our, our basement guests have been Mike and Christine Golick and Holly Rowe. I mean, if you're not at that level, I don't know that we're going to welcome you into our basement anyway. So, Especially if you can't fix one of our household appliances. Right, exactly. Somebody did ask us on Twitter this week, uh, don't leave us hanging. Did Rebecca watch A Christmas Story over the holidays? And if so, what did she think? And I can say this. A Christmas Story was one of Rebecca's movie blind spots. She hadn't seen it. This was from Matt Edwards on Twitter. Okay, so we made a point over the holidays to make sure that she watched it. The kids were all excited to have mom watch it because, of course, they've all seen it and loved it. I've seen it 40 times. And so we sat down to watch A Christmas Story. And, Rebecca, what did you think of A Christmas Story? Young Ralphie and his desire for his BB gun. Well, when when we were done watching A Christmas Story, our 12-year-old said to me, Mom, what did you think? And I said, I completely enjoyed sitting here and watching a Christmas story with you guys. That's that's and it should have been left there. Left-handed. It should have been left there. But you, Steve, had to then say, "Yeah, but what did you think of the movie?" And I am glad that I finally saw a Christmas story. I did not particularly enjoy it. You didn't I will, enjoy it at all. I will not watch it again unless one of our kids says, Mom, will you watch A Christmas Story with me? Then, of course, I will because I will enjoy the experience of sitting next to our child and watching the movie. What was it that you didn't care for? It just wasn't I, It wasn't a movie that I would want to watch again. It certainly wasn't a movie that I would want to watch every single Christmas. Like, it was fine, but, like, the dad was annoying. There was just, you know, I... It wasn't a movie that made me think, oh, yay, Christmas. I can't wait to watch this please, next December. Please tell us what uh, Gwyneth Paltrow vehicle set on an airline you would want to watch again. What uh, lighthearted what I don't, I don't chick even... flick fair that, uh, that is you return to again and again like, uh, you would I, like to see again? I, I mean... I mean, of course, this is a classic movie and it's not a Christmas movie, but anytime I'm flipping through the channels and I see whatever part of the movie Shawshank Redemption is on, I will sit there and watch it for however long. 
10 minutes, 30 minutes. That, like that's one of those movies that whenever it's on, I'm just going to sit there and watch it for a while. It doesn't get old to me. Christmas Story, if I'm flipping through next year the channels and I see it, I might watch 45 or 50 seconds of it. And then I'm going to move on. The, the dad's going to come on the screen and, and his character is going to highly annoy me. Or, uh, or you know, the bully with the red hair and the, the braces or whatever it is. And it, but Ralphie, right, Ralphie takes him out. I mean, that's a visceral, that's a terrific, cathartic moment. I, I liked that part of the movie. That, that would be the only part that if I was flipping through channels and that I saw that that scene was about to come on, I'd stop and watch that whole scene. There's a, not another scene in, in A Christmas Story where I'd want to watch the entire scene. So was it Matt who asked that question? Yes. There you have it, Matt. Rebecca didn't care at all for A Christmas Story. We've, there is one out there. This is c- completely changing the topic, but yeah. I uh, called a UConn game this past weekend. It was a one o'clock game in stores. And um, UConn pretty much always has a shoot around there's other teams that don't if it's an early game UConn has a shoot around for almost every game and so they were having their shooting practice from 7 30 to 9 a.m anyway I'd asked our oldest daughter if she would like to go to the game she wanted to go and I told her well I have to go up early for the shoot arounds we're gonna have to leave really early she still wanted to go so we went and and we sat there and coach Oriyama during shoot arounds usually comes over and just um, BSs with the media for a while. You know, every coach will come over and talk to you for a bit um, about the team's game plan, about their team, whatever. He'll just come over and you just sit there and it's kind of a stream of consciousness thing for him. And and I had told our daughter, I'm like, you have to sit in the first row. I'm going to be up courtside, but you have to kind of sit behind me. Our producer was also there and she, she told our daughter, no, you can just sit up here with us. So anyway, Coach Oriama came over as he always does. And I'm sure recognizing that our daughter was a high school aged kid, just started talking, you know, he, about high school, high school basketball. And he was just saying, you know, he checks the scores regularly in the paper. And there's some scores that are super low, super low, you know, it's like 22 to 18. And, and then he just started talking about high school basketball players and how they don't talk. You know, you can't be a great player unless you're willing to talk to your teammates. You have to talk during games. You have to talk during practices. And he's saying all this to me in in his way of, you know, this is what's wrong with kids these days and players these days. But in some ways, the message was intended for our our older daughter. Anyway, so after practice, I took our our daughter to breakfast. And um, as I'm waiting to get get ready to go back to call the game, and I just said to her, I said, "You, you don't appreciate this now said, but especially whenever Coach Oriama retires, said he's a legend. And when you're an adult, you are you will think back to this moment where you got to not only come and watch a UConn practice, you know, there's like three people there watching the practice, but you got to hear him just talk about basketball and high school basketball and and kind of he was also talking to us obviously about his team but um she just kind of looked at me and smiled and it's one of those moments as a kid where she has no idea now but you know however many years down the road like it would be for you know if you and I were a kid well this wouldn't have worked but uh, the timing of it but you know when we had went gone to watch a UCLA practice and John Wooden came over and was talking like you wouldn't appreciate that as a kid but you would totally appreciate that as an adult. Was any part of you tempted to say, you don't realize this now, but I'm a legend. <laughs> and listening to me talk basketball with Coach for Oriema me to, to, For me to say that to our daughter, yes. you don't realize this now. Um, no, I was, uh, I was really proud of her, though, because when we went to breakfast um, at a place um, right on campus, and she never even glanced at her phone. It was sitting at the table, and mine was sitting on the table as well. Neither of us picked up our phones. I thought she'd at least, like, 
look at it. She didn't. She she seemed content to sit there and have a conversation with her mother. And uh, when you have as many kids as we do, you don't get a ton of one-on-one time with them. This is the first time I've had one-on-one time with her in a long time, and it was terrific. But I was proud of her because she did not then sit there and uh, and with her legend mother and uh, and just play on her phone. I'm just now, uh, because I downloaded the latest operating system or whatever, I'm just now getting that weekly recap of your screen time. And um, most of my one-on-one time with the kids now in, is mediated by the phone because they've sent me this game pigeon. And now I'm constantly playing archery, cup pong, battleship, they call it sea battle, with the kids via text message. And it's awful because, you know, I tell my son to go to, it's time to go to bed. He said, but we're in the middle of this checkers match. And well, I say, see, no, but we're going to put the phone down. But we are technically playing a board game, but we're playing it through our phones while sitting next to each other. We, we should make it clear. Our younger children do not have phones, but they do have eye touches. And the only person that they are allowed to send a text message to are their parents. The only people they're well, allowed to send a message to. Well, I didn't know about this app or whatever it is. I didn't know you could play a game. And so I just get something comes up on my phone from our son. We're both at the house. And it was something to do with the game Mancala. And so I came downstairs and I said to him, I think Mancala's in the basement. Go get it and I'll play with you. He said, no, I meant the, virtu- the this on the phone. I said, no, if we own the game and we're both in the same house, I'm not going to play on the phone. Go get the game Mancala and we'll play it. And uh, we actually settled for Boggle instead. But we were actually you know, sitting at the table looking at one another and speaking instead of next to each other playing a silly game on our phone. I don't want to prematurely jump into viewer mail, but um, I have one here that is technology-based, and I just wanted to uh, sort of vaguely screen-related. So Ballandchainpod at gmail.com is the email address for Ball and Chain. And this is from Tom, an unrelated Tom, not, not Tom of Tom, Dick, and Harry. Uh, Tom writes, Rebecca and Steve, I'm writing in the hopes that this irritates you as much as it does me. And that's a great opening sentence because I'm, I'm, I like to be irritated and I want to know if this is something you that like to be me. irritated and you can often be irritable. So they go Absolutely. hand in hand. Tom writes, why do football referees typically say a play is under further review when it's in fact being reviewed for the first time? That's what the re in review is for. A further review would be a review of the review which I fear is exactly the kind of thing we are headed for in sports, and I think he's absolutely right. We're already there in the WNBA. We have reviewing the review. So many reviews, and usually, if I'm calling a game and, and we see what the refs are seeing, they're, they're across the court looking at a different monitor, but we're seeing what they're seeing. And usually, my Ryan Rucco and I know within the first or second time that we've seen it right. what the ruling should be, and the officials will look at it ten more times. So I think that would be further well, review. Well, just, just to get to his linguistic point, um, yes, when they're reviewing it for the first time, it is, un, it is under review. It's not under further review. It's under review. So he makes a good point. P.S. In the spirit of such nitpickery, Tom writes, I'm happy to offer my services as resident editor of the Ball and Chain Pod, as that is my profession. He's so, an editor. He is. We could ditch this. We can ditch Denny now that he's got his, his Sir George Martin mixing board. But I think is he's talking about being the the grammar editor, isn't he? Perhaps he is. If he's willing to uh, stay up to often two, three in the morning to edit our descriptions, then the job's yours. Just, you know, if I could have a quick turnaround, I think you mean that'd be amazing. Two, three in the morning, don't you? <laughs> I know. In the spirit of this Jersey themed <laughs> program? I, I know Steve's relationship 
has always been terrific with all of his editors. Although I can remember specifically a time where Steve and I were dating and we were in New York City on an in the up, on the Upper West Side in a movie theater, and we came out of the movie. And Steve listened to a voicemail on the phone. I can remember vividly what the Nokia ringtone of the day was. Remember that ringtone? You did signaled it. It gave me a raised my heart rate every time it went off. Well, we came out of the movie. The phone didn't ring. You had turned it to silent, but you had a voicemail, and you listened to the voicemail. And as you were listening to the voicemail, you walked over to the wall in the movie theater and started pretending to punch it with all of your force. And I was. surprised and horrified like what is this person what are they doing and it was because one of your editors at the time had changed something that you had written it's not it's it wasn't a precious had changed something it was i'm sure it was much worse than that it Um, it was it was nothing that would require or uh it was completely inappropriate for you in a public place to walk over and pretend to be beating well, the heck out of a wall. That's another I was story entirely. Absolutely, absolutely horrified. The, the, the amount of times you were you were sickened and horrified by my behavior while we were dating would seem to preclude the fact that we have been married for no, that was 16 the, years. That was the problem is I was only sickened and horrified like twice. The rest of it came after we got married where I was at that point stuck. So... That's a good job by you, by the way. You were stuck? Uh, At that point, I mean, I'm happily stuck. Oh, good. Happily stuck. I was going to say, see the door, baby? (laughs) See the the soup holder? Yes. Then he keeps raising his hand. Sitting at a child's school desk, raising his hand. I think that's As a very single person, I want to know what happily stuck means. And in the future, what I need to know to avoid happily stuck because I don't know like to me that doesn't sound like a good thing but it seems very healthy right here the well, the, the key word is happily Danny the, the stuck is I mean you know you know really, before honestly, you're where, married where are you you're, you're not stuck you're engaged you can break off an engagement if you're dating you break off you break it off but once you're married especially once you're married with kids like to me you're stuck like that's that's your life you're raising your kids you're gonna unless you have a like an abusive husband or something obviously that's a whole different story but steve and i once once we were once we said i do all right and especially once we had kids now we're stuck most of the time happily i know i mean i certainly don't consider myself stuck i consider myself uh, rebecca sees well, this as as like a fly paper or a venus fly trap and she's she's uh, can't get out of the glue you, trap you, well of course you you see you're you're grateful <laughs> and i'm I'm grateful he's stuck. If I were single, I wouldn't have been uh, uh, straining meatballs with a slotted spoon out of a crock pot last night. I'd have I'd have had to have ordered those meatballs and and had them delivered to my home. Or you would have made the meatballs and used a paper towel as your uh, spatula holder because as I don't have one holder. of those things. Spoon holder. I don't spoon use one rest. of those things, but I do use I do use a paper towel, which I think I, I think is progress. And that I, that is a, that's that's definitely progress because most single guys would just like set it on the counter and, and maybe or maybe not Denny, clean it up later. Honestly, though, and don't don't BS this here. When's the last time you stirred anything? Yesterday. I what made did you, soup. You made soup yeah. yesterday. Campbell's? No. Uh, my mom makes this New England clam chowder, and I have the recipe. You made a homemade New England clam yeah. chowder? With clams? Yeah. I have a grocery store right across the street from me. We've had this conversation. I with cook, Denny. man. You don't believe. No, nobody out there believes this. I cook. I believe it because I know that it is possible for males to 
to have success in the kitchen and to be able to cook. Success. Next time, I, I just I'm just stuck with one who doesn't, but Next I know time. it's possible. Which, by the way, when we eventually sell this podcast into a sitcom, the name of it is going to be Happily Stuck. Well, I think it should be uh, or Ball and Chain Spoonholder. Spooning. <laughs> the sitcom, perhaps. Yes, I. Uh, Next time Denny comes, we're getting him a, uh, a a ball and chain spoon rest. Oh, for sure. And, well, since Denny is here, it seems like it's only fair for us to ask him to open the curiosity shop. And instead of Steve reading these things, we actually have Denny here to... Uh, to give us what he's curious about, young Denny. When the meets kind of tying in multiple things that we talked about today. But let's start. The Sopranos celebrated 20 years since its premiere episode this week. It's arguably being called one of the most influential shows in modern television history. Were you guys big fans? And do you think it's one of the most influential shows since shows like Mad Men and Breaking Bad have come after it? I was a fan. I, um, of course, it's been hugely influential. It seems to me, not thinking about it, that it kicked off the binge-watching phenomenon of the next 20 years that I've, I've completely sat out. But The Sopranos was maybe the only show that I did watch most of. I mean, I certainly didn't see all the episodes. How I many watched seasons the last episode. of the Six Sopranos? or seven Eight, seasons. I thought, right? I think it was only like six. I, thought so I was surprised. Was six, I, thought. I was surprised how few there are. Huh. And, and then he just mentioned Entourage in the same breath with The Sopranos. No, just HBO shows. Okay, that's true. I, and, I think I only watched maybe two seasons of The Sopranos. So if I ever have time to binge watch a show, I would probably go back and watch The Sopranos from the beginning because the two episodes or the two seasons I did watch I enjoyed this is my problem I hate watching violence like I know Goodfellas is a good movie that's another one or great movie I wouldn't watch again I can't stand watching violence if I have a physical reaction to it Goodfellas was on yesterday and I watched like five minutes of it and Joe Pesci blows away um, the kid who then would later star in The Sopranos Christopher Christopher and uh, it was so gratuitous so uncomfortable so dumb that I was reminded of how much I can't stand Goodfellas. Well, there's just, I don't like watching that kind of thing. Like like the Untouchables, when the, the baby carriage is going down the steps and that you see that instead of, you know, everything that could happen. I so prefer that. My, my So anyway, so I don't, I think I could watch The Sopranos. I would just have to have a lot of moments where I'm closing my eyes and blocking my ears. But I mean, the only thing I've binge watched since then uh, and it shows you the the influence that the Sopranos has had is the Great British Baking Show, and you can you can really see the uh, the how we got from A to B, the gratuitous violence in the Great British Baking Show, the casual profanity. Can, can I just throw in that this is watching the British Baking Show the last few weeks? This is the first time where I've. Like, there's been a show that I'm looking forward to at the end of the night, sitting down, all of our kids, we kind of all huddle together on the couch and watch something together. It's, I'm absolutely loving the British Baking Show, and I don't know what we're going to do when we're out of all the seasons. Our eight-year-old made a brilliant observation. She said, on the show, all of the British people, they pronounce the various berries as brie, so raspberry, blueberry. With the exception of the host, whose name is Mary Berry. And she said, why don't they call her Mary Brie or (laughs) Rebrie? And she makes an excellent point. Because the standalone 
surname, Barry, is pronounced Barry, but if you were pronoun- pronounce it as a, an edible fruit, it would be Brie. So go figure. You guys talk about your relationship on this. There was a rather high-profile, we'll use a millennial term for this, uncoupling this week. Jeff Bezos and his wife got a divorce. There was no prenuptial agreement, and I know a lot of couples have this conversation before they get married. How do you guys feel about the concept of prenuptial agreements? Well, we never had that conversation about a prenuptial no, agreement. We said, well, it's just going to be happily stuck. But uh, I don't know. If you had asked for a prenup, I don't know how I would have felt about that. Never in a million years. Are you kidding me? Is this a joke? What? Would I have asked for a prenup? Well, no, you never would have asked for one. My question was, how would I have felt about it if you had? What if I had asked for a prenup? The only thing I would have asked you is, are you out of your mind? Do you seriously (laughs) want to marry me? I mean, let's, let's squeal tires to the nearest courthouse and get this thing done before you change your mind. Because you're sickened and horrified by my behavior. So, so does that mean you would have signed the prenup? I'd have, I'd have, would have I signed a prenup that you had offered me? Yes. If I said, listen, I, I do want to, I do want to no. get married to you, but, but in order for us to get married, because I'm rolling in all this WNBA yeah. dough, will you, uh, I need you to sign this prenup. I wanted to get my hands on that W dough, first of all, <laughs> but, uh. No, I, there's no chance. Are you out of your mind? Again, no, of course I would not have. I would not have that gone would have into been a marriage. The end of, that would have been go- the end of ball and chain. I would have not, not have gone into a marriage with a legal document protecting one or both of us from the failure of that marriage. What, 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 what kind of auspicious start is that? Okay, Danny, so and would, you, would you sign a prenup? And if you you know, in the next few years, just started rolling in the dough and you wanted to get married, would you ask your wife-to-be and to sign a prenup? We mean literally this rolling in the dough. after we sell the sitcom to Netflix. I, I mean, I really don't know. I would say is that marriage these days, for a lot of people my age, seems like a very fluid concept. Because they don't see wait a minute, it as wait a minute, wait a minute. Right, exactly. Well, what, what the hell does that mean? I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> you I mean, know. Marriage for People of your age seems like a very fluid concept. Like, it seems like, oh, hey, because dating is very fluid. You, you know, you drift in, you drift out. It's kind of like the tide. It's very weird. But I would say, if, you know, for like a lot of young people have come from divorce, they don't look at it as an uncommon uh, thing to happen. It's, it's a lot different than the way it used to be. So I guess my, that is my long way of saying I don't know how I, how I feel about the concept. Well, just find the woman that you can be happily, yeah, stuck, happily with, stuck with, and uh, and you'll ride off into the sunset. All right, next in the cool. curiosity and shop. And the final thing we got, uh, it is award show season. I don't know how you guys feel about award seasons. I know you've mentioned previously that you guys get screeners from time to time. So I was just wondering if there's anything in the field of this award season that you've seen, and if there's anything that you're particularly excited about. There's A Star is Born, there's Bohemian Rhapsody, there's Roma, which, and that's also my other question in here. How do you feel about movies with subtitles? I started to watch Roma. I watched the first 15 minutes of Roma. The opening uh, title sequence for Roma lasts about 15 minutes, and I was sorely having my patience tested during that. After about 20 minutes, and it's still in the Netflix queue, I turned it off. I couldn't, uh, I couldn't get into it, and I've heard 
people who think it's a masterpiece and people who have the exact same feeling I did it. At some point when I'm in the right mood, I will give it another shot because it seems like it's in my wheelhouse. It's about a kid growing up in a neighborhood in Mexico City. Not that I grew up in a neighborhood in Mexico City, but, you know, it's the kind of thing that I think I would be into. But it's in black and white. It has not only one, but two subtitles, subtitles in two languages. Uh, one of them is English. And uh, so it is not something that you can kind of uh, watch while you are answering emails. I didn't even know that. I didn't know anything about Roma. I didn't know that there was a movie called Roma. The only movie I've seen, I think, in the last six months is Mary Poppins Returns. I really enjoyed that. Really? Because I've heard mixed things. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it because I was with my kids yeah. and uh, it was fun to watch. But uh, but yeah, we have a we actually have a bunch of screeners upstairs, yeah, and, and um, we have we have. You know, it'd be easy enough for me to sit down and put a DVD into the DVD player and watch one of them, but. I don't. I did see Bohemian Rhapsody with our our fourteen year old. She loved it. I loved it. We're both the two of us are going to see Queen and Adam Lambert at MSG in August. Uh, we're going to love that. And um, and I thought Rami Malek was was uh, excellent. And whoever made the prosthetic teeth for that deserves a uh, an Irving Thalberg Award for a lifetime achievement. I um that is one movie that's out now that I would like to see. Next year's Rocket Man. The Elton John story is going to be the exact same movie, and I can't wait for that either. But without the prosthetic teeth? Presumably with more prosthetic teeth. <laughs> I think the last time I, I was up here, I asked you if you guys had seen A Star is Born. So did you guys get around to seeing that? It was very good. I have not. Do we have that screener? We may have no, the screener. No, we don't have the screener. And we I have not seen, seen that movie. I haven't seen it either. But it got robbed at the Golden Globes, got nothing, uh, responded slightly at the Critics' Choice. So as, a, as we go into Oscar season, it's going to be interesting to see if Bradley Cooper for director picks up steam, if Lady Gaga for lead supporting actress, and for best picture. So it's going to be a very interesting thing to see. Nothing got robbed. A blockbuster movie starring two uh, Wait, uh, well well compensated uh, movie and pop stars not receiving an inane award from the Hollywood Foreign Press Association is hardly robbery. Um, I think if uh, Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga weren't um, acknowledged for their for their greatness that one night. They probably still have an imbalance of of attention well, that's given the rest the of the world. So I don't really think it's being. I don't think. I think there are greater injustices in the world oh, than yeah. a star is born not getting a Golden Globe. But Denny, how dare you? I'm just kidding. I was. I'm, I'm <laughs> this this is my life. This is my but life. Here's the thing, Steve. Yes. Right? Okay. I saw Bohemian Rhapsody. It was a great theater going experience. But what? But was it a better movie than A Star Is Born? Was it better than Black Klansman? Was it better than If Beale Street Could Talk? All phenomenal films that you can really sink your teeth into, and you actually feel something. If any, if anything is, if anybody's sinking any teeth in anything, it's going to be Rami Malek in Bohemian Rhapsody because <laughs> no, those choppers were were amazing. I didn't see any of those other movies, and I'm sure they're all fantastic. You but like I can't, If Beale Street I can't Could speak Talk? To them. And um, so, so is it time to close the doors? Well, the yeah. I mean, after, after, shop? after. Uh, yeah, well, sure. I think I, we always welcome Denny's curiosity, and I and uh, but I think it's time to close up shop for the day. I did have one more question. We can do it inside of the curiosity shop. We can do it outside of the curiosity shop, Doesn't or we can do it on on uh, ball and chain uh, after hours with uh, with the uh, the bonus brand new Patreon yeah. show. Anyway, people. Uh, Splash a little ca- cash, extra content. I like it, but see, always, always do, always with the side hustle. But uh, okay, so like you talked about, then we're not. This is not. 
you can leave this in, you can take this out, cool. you can do as you please, but this is not a telethon. We're not raising money here. This is, in fact, one of the questions in viewer mail, and I'm going to go to that right now, is... Uh, no, no, Denny had another question. Well, well, I'm, well this is, I want to, I want to get okay. this out there. Uh, John writes, wondering about the genesis of the podcast, how it came about. It doesn't seem like a money-making thing since it's free to download and there's no advertising. Just a fun diversion in busy lives, question mark? Yes. Correct? Am I wrong? It's... Well, sometimes it's not a fun diversion, but no, we, we, yes, we just do this for our own enjoyment. Exactly. Yeah, advertising is a bit, I just want a full disclaimer. Say that again. I said the whole side hustle thing, it's a bit, I like, I, I think it's funny to play the role of no, we, greedy. We, we love that producers. you are our, 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 uh, side hustling Hank Kingsley. <laughs> what's, what's the guy's guy. name from, um, from the Muppet movie? Tex, uh. Oh yes. Tex, the guy played by the guy. I know. I can't think of it right now. Denny is our, our. He is. He's Tex he's, right. Oil Man, whatever his name was. Tex Oil Man. I think that was it. Now, Denny, you have one more question <laughs> yeah. from the Curiosity Show. So you bring up frequently, you go to a lot of your daughter's games. If and when this happens, how would you guys handle college coaches trying to convince any of your kids on a school to go to to continue their education and maybe play basketball or or any other sport of their choice? I mean, if any of our kids ever got recruited to play a sport somewhere, you just have to let the process unfold. You know, you let because my parents had a couple rules. Like college coaches could only call Tuesday night, and maybe there was one other night between eight and nine thirty p.m. Because they did not want me constantly on the phone. I know it would be different now because kids have cell phones and whatever. But um, I would want our kids to go where they wanted to go. Our, our daughter the other day, our oldest, said to me. Would you let me go to college far away? And I said, I'll let you go to college wherever you want to go to college. Like, it's, that's in California, if that's, you know, within reason. You're deluding yourself also to think that you will have any much say in the matter at all. They're well, going no, to go where the they whole, want to go, of they, they And they should go where they want to go. Of and course. especially if a kid was going to play a sport, that takes up so much of your time. You're... you're child needs to feel comfortable on that team with those coaches at that school so it has to be completely especially if it's a scholarship where you're not paying for it i mean it's going to be so much their decision you have to give them guidance but um but yeah i would i would want our, our the kid if that ever happened to uh just be happy with wherever it was going to be and you steve I just want I just want them to go wherever I'll be happiest as long as it's a city that I like as long as it's um, you know a place that I want to travel to and as long as I feel like I'll be happy there I think that they can suck it up and be happy there themselves right that's true so uh, so okay I ha- I've had this experience so I was out at Notre Dame this past week calling Louisville Notre Dame basketball game great game um, Notre Dame beautiful campus. I've been, I think, to South Bend a dozen plus times. And Denny, granted, I only go in the wintertime to call basketball games once that I was there. And all the times that I've been there, once was the sun out. Once. I have a really hard time going to South Bend. I'm sure it's beautiful other times of year. I'm sure the sun comes out there. It just never comes out there when I'm there. And... Since I've returned every single day, I've been in Connecticut, which is like six days since I got back. It's been sunny every day. And I know we've had a lot of rain this year or whatever, but like that would be a hard one. Like if my kid wanted to go to a school that the sun never shined, I would would have a problem with that. Well, the sun does shine on Notre Dame frequently and probably more than... It it never when I'm there. I think if you think it doesn't shine in South Bend, imagine how little it shines in North Bend. (laughs) 
as a friend of ours said to me the other day, oh, is Rebecca out of town? I said, yeah, she's doing a Notre Dame game. And he said, is it in North Bend? And I said, it's actually in South Bend. Is there? But I will now forever think of it as North Bend. Is there a North Bend and is there a Bend? Or is there just a South Bend? There's neither a Bend nor a North Bend. There is a Mishawaka. Now, does the sun shine at Marquette? Three months a year. There you go. That was a terrible sell job. I'm sorry, Dan. And they just imploded the Bradley Center. Denny, how do you feel about that? Marquette's basketball arena and the arena for the Milwaukee Bucks for for the last 25 years or whatever it was, they just uh, they just imploded it yesterday or the day before. Well, to a... Uh, Along with Denny's uh, memories of his youth. Yeah, right. So it's... I think that's... A, number one, it's the first sign of old age is when they start imploding the places where you've recently had many of your college memories. No, but... Uh, no, it's a sign of old age when they implode the place that replaced the place <laughs> that you used to go to basketball games at. So this well, is two re- arenas removed for me. But uh, to quote Michael Jordan, I mean, I guess the ceiling is no longer the roof. So. There you go. There's neither a ceiling nor a roof. Is it time? Time for? Viewer mail? I believe so. I think it's time for viewer mail. <laughs> Kathy writes, over the holidays, I did a lot of pet sitting for fun and profit. <laughs> Who wrote this? Kathy. Did over the of... holidays, she did a lot of pet sitting for fun and profit. Yes. Okay. It, it, much like this podcast without the profit. Right. Or the fun. Or the pets. Or the pets. Over the holidays, a lot of pet sitting. Not a lot of spoon resting. But a lot of pet sitting, all one word. Over the holidays, I did a lot of pet sitting for fun and profit. One of the homes had an Alexa that said, Reminder, feed the cats. Reminder, feed the cats. Anyone who has ever had or even known a cat can tell you that Alexa need not issue this reminder. Cats are excellent at training their humans. No self-respecting cat would need Alexa's help. You can program Alexa to say, Reminder, feed the cats? I don't know, but now because um, a now whole be, new world is open to me. I can reminder, say, reminder, that is soup. No, reminder, feed the kids. Right. Reminder, <laughs> reminder, feed, feed the, kids. the kids the soup. I'm gonna this is perfect. I'm going to start when I'm when I have to go to work, leaving reminders without telling you. And so that, you know, whatever the time comes up, it can be just that. Reminder, feed the kids, reminder, clean the counter, reminder. Your wife is awesome. Like, there's lots of things that you can put in the reminder, and I'm going to learn how to do that. I would say that the government is, like, listening in on, like, your daily life, but there's nobody there. So you're good and clear for at least the next two weeks. Exactly. (laughs) Here we've got one that came to our uh, Twitter handle, which is at Ball and Chain Pod from Heather. She said, I am a nurse that really enjoys the pod. I know it stinks, but if you feel like you have the flu, please stay in your hotel or fly with a mask on. When you have the option, please don't expose other people to the flu. It can be deadly. Then she puts parenthetically, really. I have to say, when I flew home with the flu, I have um, a big parka that I wear on planes because I'm always cold on planes with a, with a hood. Parka. Oh, okay. And I had my hood up and like the, the part that covers your mouth, I had it done because I was doing everything I could to... Um, to not spread my germs. And when I came back and went to the, the doctor's office, the first thing they had me do when I went in there was put on the mask. And it was so that I, not only that I didn't get the other patients sick, but so that I didn't get the doctors sick. So I liked that precaution too. And yet, as we've said before, the filthiest thing in the world are a doctor's necktie and the magazines in the doctor's waiting room. 
Uh, Rachel writes to ballandchainpod at gmail.com. As a high school basketball referee, I enjoyed your segment on officials and how people treat them. In the few years I've been a referee, there's one thing I'm certain of. 99% of parents slash fans have zero self-awareness. Well, nothing is truer than that. Yes. Uh, I hear comments and wonder if they've ever even seen a game. I think all coaches should have to referee for one season to realize what it's even like. Um, uh, here's what Here's what I'll say. If you don't know what to say, at a youth basketball game or at a high school basketball game, whether you're a coach or a spectator, you will never, you can never go wrong by just yelling out travel. I've seen most people do it. I've seen opposing coaches say travel every time the other team gets the ball. And we're talking about teams of fifth graders. And uh, I was at a game recently where a woman just yelled travel every 10 seconds for what I could tell, no apparent reason. Well, and of course, parents don't know the rules there's you know no parents sit down and just read a rule book i was just reading yesterday an article about a high profile a high, high enough profile women's college basketball team near the end of the game the coach had one of her players foul a kid because she was a terrible free throw shooter but it was away from the play and about two or three years ago, women's college basketball, you changed the rule. It used to be that you could foul with impunity before the ball was inbounded. Like while a team was taking the ball out and inbounding, you could foul any player you wanted. You'd find the worst free throw shooter and foul them. Well, that's not the case anymore. You can't foul someone who's not involved with the play without it resulting in two free throws, plus they retain the basketball. But that was a Division One college coach's philosophy because obviously – they didn't know that the rule had changed. So if coaches don't know all of the rules, then how can any parent at a youth basketball game think they either know the rules or know what a travel is or what a over-the-back really looks like or an illegal screen or any of that stuff? So it is highly entertaining listening to people doing their play-by-play commentary. And I want to say this. Uh, we talked in this podcast and in previous podcasts about interrupting Dr. Gary Siegel has sent us a link to the Jewish News of Northern California, and uh, it's a piece on interrupting as a as a uh, cultural and positive force. And the, the article begins, this is from May of 2000, but I think it applies even more so today. The next time someone accuses you of interrupting, you might want to explain that you are not being rude. You're actually engaging in, quote, high involvement, cooperative overlapping. I'm guessing that this was written by a man, and Dr. Gary Siegel is a male, of course, who sent this article to you. Denny earlier, who was in favor of interrupting, is another male. I think this is one of those things that men and women would fall on very different sides of the conversation because men tend to be the interruptor, and the woman tends to be the interruptee. And this... Is, has nothing to do with anything, this tweet from our friend Matthew Bartleson, but I, f- I read it and it made me laugh, as he often does, so I'm going to just put it out there. He said, well, ball and chain pod, I'm on my way to Cancun for a beach vacation. Feel free to follow me on Instagram, at mtbartleson, for fun, drunken debauchery, sand sun, and hopefully sleeping in a hotel lobby. And... Fun and profit? This is my favorite part. <laughs> and I accidentally shaved off one of my eyebrows this morning. So there's that. How do you accidentally shave off one of your eyebrows? Like, 
do we, I know you don't, Steve. Denny, do you have any need to trim your eyebrows? Like, do you have a unibrow that you have to manicure or? No, but I did go to this barber shop once. Um, I'm not sure if, if I've told the story about I once had this barber that tried to convince me. She made a mistake on the, the back of my scalp. She tried to convince me that I had alpecia. That same barber shop, they like do like your eyebrows. It was the first time I, I, I ever had that done. I was like, oh my gosh, this is going to cost me extra. Like, what are they trying to do here? But uh, I don't have a unibrow. I'm not Anthony Davis. I got to say, though, not a bad feeling. Did they like trim your eyebrows with scissors or was it like a wax kind of a thing in between uh, your eyebrows? The object looked like, you know those things that peel potatoes? Yes. It looked like one of those. A potato peeler? It 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 looked like a potato peeler. It may have been a potato peeler. I want to get the unibrow. I'm going to go into the barber the next time and say, make me look like this guy and hold up a picture of Bert from Sesame Street. Give you a unibrow. You actually, Steve, at some point, I want you to come with me. Um, to get a pedicure because not enough men understand like getting a pedicure is great and you don't you know you're not going to get your toes painted but just to have the the massage to have your toenails groomed to have your feet shaved or whatever they do to do you know the what calluses men... removed it is a lovely experience that I don't think enough men treat themselves to a pedicure at some point how about this do the, you know the... what man gets a pedicure what man my father your dad gets a pedicure. You, you know oh, this. I've seen his toenails. He needs to get a pedicure. He, well, yes. no, you, you may have seen them before, but he yes, he goes. A, a lady puts down a welder's hood and takes out like a circular saw. Sparks are flying, and and they they go to town on those See, things. And, yes, and your dad is as manly as a man can come. So, I, I think at one point, one of the uh, the gifts you gave me was the gift card to get my car uh, detailed, and also gave me a, a gift yes, card. Yes, you used for neither the, of them. To, right. Well, I'm going to let you use them. I'm going to let you take my car to get detailed. And while you're doing that, you can walk across the street Fifteen years and later, get your pedicure. Fifteen years later, there's a negative balance on both of those. I would owe them money if I went into I use still know where they are. And I don't I'm believe gonna... either place is still in business. But... And, and after you get your pedicure, you can walk back across the street to the stop and shop and get the battery and replace it in the key fob. You walk across the street. You don't know why you did. You walk back across the street. Inner City Pressure by Flight of the Concords. We got anything else here? I think that's it. Where should we send this out to Tom, Dick, and Harry to play us out? I think we should ask Tom, Dick, and Harry to do their thing, work and, their magic. Until next week, we'll be we'll be we'll be here happily stuck in our basement with Denny Gallagher tied up. I hope not. <laughs> Tom, Dick, and Harry play us out. Saying says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Six of us and the family pet live in cuckoo nest. Daily grind puts sanity to a daily test. Androgynous and vigorous, what we give for a little rest. 
day by day, just keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane.